Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. Listen, I've got an incredible, incredible show for all you guys. Um, I have one really, really cool cat, okay? Really cool cat. I'm going to say it like that. Um, I want my guest to introduce himself, but then I'm going to read to you all the poem I wrote about him. Hey, Stevie. Hey, Jerry. How are you? I'm good, sweetie. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Stevie Dunham. I'm the owner of Street Corner Entertainment Record Company. And I'm living in Las Vegas, Nevada, originally from Brooklyn, New York. And uh, I'm involved in the oldies record business. I'm a singer and record producer. And it's great to be on your show this morning, Jerry. It really is. Oh, this is going to be an incredibly fun show. I cannot wait. But I wrote a poem for you, kiddo. Um, Oh, that's going to be great. Yep. I stalked your you know, uh, websites, your Facebook. I asked you for a little bit of info. I asked Steve and Angel for a little bit of info. So here goes. I hope I do it justice. Stevie D, my guest today is really quite cool. A shameless promoter, his number one rule. He's known as Stevie D, a singer, songwriter, and more. Music publisher and author, being a great DJ for sure. A vocal arranger and a voice coach, taught with love and Stevie D's approach. A record label owner, a record collector, with so many connections, Stevie's the connector. He performed his first record in 1988, the label Crescent Records at age 20, first rate. Music business management, the degree in which you earned, but you weren't finished so much more in life you yearned. 1990 to 2010, several vocal groups you sang, Del Casinos and Emerald Dreams, just a couple with a bang. Street Corner Entertainment Records, in 2013 formed by you, Acapella Street Corner Vocal Groups was a book that you co-authored too. Wow. The book won a huge award, Soul Patrol Magazine's Best Pick, and nominated for the ARSC Award. That year, 2006, was sick. Over 300 vocal group recordings were also produced by you. Some with and without credits. DVD, what can't you do? The Emerald Dream song named Window of Time. Over 1 million airplays must have made quite a dime. 1988 in the United States, the youngest producer you were. Street Corner Entertainment was the only one releasing doo-wop 45s, I concur. You've shared the stage with legends, recorded over 50 songs as well, a record producer and label owner with so much more for me to tell. At only 51 years old, you've accomplished oh so much. Las Vegas Entertainers Hall of Fame, inducted twice, was quite a rush. You love to make fun of yourself and also laugh at others. Having you impersonate me, now that would be my druthers. A Brooklyn boy born and raised of Irish-Italian descent, also married 16 years, that shows your great intent. Last but not least, the way that we met, remember then radio we both host, Street Corner Entertainment's DVD, now you deserve a toast. That's for you. Well, thank you very much. Wow, you summed it all up in that <laughs> poem. That's 
beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think you should send that to me so I can put it in a frame and hang it on the wall. Well, first of all, I you will absolutely you will absolutely be getting an email to you. Plus, of course, Thank after the show, I'm putting really it out nice. there. It really was. Yep. Yes, I uh, did a lot of stuff so far in my life, and I continue to do more. I'll probably do this until I die. So this is uh, it's fun. It really is fun to be in this business, and uh, you know, it's got ups and downs like any other business, but. Right. I met a lot of incredible people over the years. Uh, have a lot of great friends in the business, and it's just a real treat to uh, be able to be creative and uh, to do what I love to do. So, I want to play your first song, but I want you to tell us about it, "Whispering Bells." Um, tell us about this song. Well, that was this is an actual rehearsal tape that I recorded with the Emerald Dreams in 1998. I leased that side to. Uh, Crystal Ball Records the same year. He put it on his uh, 20th anniversary CD series along with another song that I had sent him. And this is a unique version. I recorded this, arranged it off the melody. And it, there's no other version of Whispering Bells like this at all. This is a very street corner sounding uh, arrangement. And it's a really great song. It really is one of my favorite songs by the Dull Vikings. So I'd like to share that with everybody right now. All right, I cannot wait to play it. Here goes, baby. Whisper 
Wow. Okay, so wow. You've got fans in the chat room and they're saying you're the best and listen oh thanks thanks a lot yeah, you're, you're I, incredible I, I gotta go back to that page I who's in there Angel is in there Angel is saying hi Angel we miss you we love you I'm praying for Steve oh beautiful um you know I was in that we were rehearsing that song and one of the guys in the group got a little testy with me and I threw him out <gasps> and everybody's like oh no Oh no! Don't worry about it. The kid will come back. It's going to be fine. Okay, but listen. Came back. Don't get testy. Started <laughs> it up with me again. I said, "You here to work, or you want to leave?" Because I don't have the time for this. And he buckled down and did the work. So it was good. All right. So. All right. So all right. You know what? Since Angel is in the room, let's give her one more song right away because I know she loves that and she loves playing all the doo-wop and everything. This is for you, Angel. And Steve, I love him. All right. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to play... Oh, while Angel's in the room, we're going to try... We're going to see if it worked because you sent it through a different file, you said, and it may not work, but we're going to try, okay? Are you old enough? Let's see what happens here if it works. All right. All right. Um, oh, wait. No, 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 no. Not that one. That's not the one we wanted. Hold on. It okay, might... This is live radio, folks. It happens. It happens, guys, because I'm not sure. I don't know why, but it might not let me do that. Um, you might be right. That's no big deal. We, we got a ton of songs we can... All right, let me try it. Let me try one more time. All right, let's see if it worked. Are you old enough? Um, tell everyone about this song. This song, well, hopefully it works. Uh, it was originally done by a group called the Del Rios out of Memphis, Tennessee. It was unreleased by them. And uh, another, uh, remember then, DJ uh, Peter Chacona turned me on to this song. And he said, I think this would be good for you. And so when I heard it, I flipped out over it. So I arranged it, and I went in the recording studio and recorded it uh, a few months ago. So this is pending to be released. It's going to come out on a 45 RPM record. All right. So, wow. Hopefully this will play. Let's if play, not, baby. We'll have to go do another one. Let's see. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank that, you. That's um, couple of, couple of things. Uh, Peter Chacon, as I mentioned earlier, uh, he's going to sing his bass on there before we release this. Um, we have arranged uh, for him to go into Stan Ziska's studio in Long Island because that's where Peter lives. And he's going to record his bass parts. And then I'm going to mix them out here and then get it ready to go to the pressing plant to get pressed. Um, another thing, my mother loves this song. She flipped out over it when I sent it to her. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's all about the bass. <laughs> so, like, your mom time. loved it. Mom, That's... come around. I go, soon. I said, this is just a test uh, mix. That's all. <laughs> so, coming out soon, Mom. So, you know, yeah, she, she knows what I do. I, I'm really happy for that. Oh, hug Mom for me. <laughs> that's, that. that's so nice that you brought mom in it um you know yeah. what yeah sometimes uh sometimes uh you know I, for a long time i didn't know if they were gonna ever accept the fact that i decided to do this as a career choice um i remember years ago when i said i want to be in the entertainment business uh sand the music business and they gave me the look that was equivalent to a high school student uh, making an announcement in front of everybody saying, well, I'm quitting school. And that was the kind of look I got. And the remarks, too. Oh, you'll never make it. You'll never do this. You'll never do that. I'm like, well, uh, 31 years later, I'm still doing it. So it's it's good. You know what I mean? So um, I'm very happy. They're very supportive, both my parents are. I, so I want um, to piggyback off of what you just said. Um we're going to go into overtime today, guys, so it'll be a longer show than an hour. So I want to share something. You know, I grew up in an Italian household, the only daughter. You know, my, I had a brother a year older, and he, you okay. know, went into the family business with my dad, became very wealthy. They did great. Um, and here's me. I want to be an artist, Mom and Dad. Well, my father just shook his head. He sent me to art school. I lived with my nana in Astoria, New York, while I was in um, School of Visual Arts. And the first month in school, we had to draw naked bodies. They brought in four different naked people. Here we are, 17-year-olds. And we're like, oh my God, oh my God. And he made us only focus on the body parts. Well, back wow. then, yeah. Why do we do that? They always, I don't understand. Wait, that. you have no we idea. Like, well, it's like, okay, we're going to do this. No, but Stevie, that was in 1979. That was, wow. okay. Wow. So my nana went through my portfolio. I walk in the door one day, and she is screaming on the phone in Italian to my dad and pointing to penises. Okay? I had to tell you that, because here I am, all these years that's later. That's, that's, that's funny stuff. Okay? Who would imagine that? Okay. <laughs> and I'm screaming. I'm screaming, Dad, it's my homework. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. You know what? Italian families, they don't understand these things. They don't. But they were supportive. Even Regardless, they supported it, you know? And here I am. It was great. You know? So, wow. So. Yeah, I've had a few of those over the years. Well. I want to I want to play one more song now and then we'll we'll continue the interview because Angel's you know sad today or happy today she's in the room and I want to play the one more song hoping this one will work as well because these were the two that we downloaded differently 
Okay, yeah, this is the flip side to Are You Old Enough? This is uh, called Thinking of You. Yes. So, tell us a little bit about it, though. Thinking of You. I love it. Well, this uh, is a rare record by a group from Pittsburgh called the Silvertones on the Joey label. And I heard this record. This is a real street corner record. I'm like, and it's worth a lot of money. I don't have an original copy of it, unfortunately. Um, But... I heard this song and I flipped out over it. I, you know, I'm attracted to real street, real hardcore street corner uh, arrangements. And I said, I want to do this song. How am I going to do this? And so, actually, I had to key it down a couple of steps to hit the falsetto part. But it, it really is a really cool record. It's all about the riff in the record. I mean, the, the lyrics are kind of trite, but the, the riff and the, and the flow of it, you know, you feel like you're right on the street corner singing this song. I mean, that's the kind of, uh, uh, you know, mental scene that I had in my head when I heard this song. And, you know, it's a collector's item. And I like to do stuff that's esoteric. I don't like to do normally the hit records that everybody knows. I like to yeah. do songs that are really great, that deserve, a you know, a second chance, if you will. And this is one of those type of songs. So I think everybody will appreciate this one. This is really good. Okay, so I have a question, though, real quick. Hardcore Mm -hmm. street sounds. I never heard it put that way. (laughs) Well, you know, I grew up in the streets, so when you sing on the street corner in front of the stoop or on a vestibule or on the subway platform, I mean, that's that's what street corner harmony is. I mean, we use the term doo-wop, too. It's kind of a generic term for this, but, you know... Alright, let's do it. Thinking of You by Stevie D. Oh, oh, oh. 
get out of here. Yeah, isn't that great? No, get out of here. <laughs> Tony's going to sing bass on that, too. Oh, my goodness. That was incredible. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I love that song. Uh, yeah, Pete's going to sing bass on that, too. Um, Pete sings in the Exquisites on Long Island, which is an excellent group, and they're also on Street Corner Entertainment. And so it's he's, he's a real bass, which is great. And that's what I wanted. Uh, my bass part on there, I, I, you know, I faked it a little, you know, because I'm not a bass singer, you know. <sighs> I mean, I can get down there, but I'm not. I'm not like him. I mean, he's a real basso profundo, so that's going to be really cool. It's going to add a lot of dimension to the recordings. So that, we're, we can't wait for it to come out. We just can't wait. It's, that was beautiful. That was really incredibly beautiful. So I have a question for you. Um, off the track a little. Be careful how you answer this, Stevie D. Did okay. you Did you love Elvis? Yes. Okay. I, did. I grew up. <laughs> Listening to Elvis. All right. Listen, music is a must for you to keep your joy, especially if it's Elvis, because Elvis is my boy. My favorite Elvis song is "I Want You, I Need You, I Love You." That's that to me is one of his best recordings. Well, I mean, I like a lot of stuff that he did, but that's my favorite out of all of them. Well, the sexiest song Elvis ever did, honey, was "Such a Night." Come yeah, on. that's a great song too. Yeah, I like- <laughs> Like a lot of his earliest stuff. Yes, also. you know. Um, All right. Yeah, I want you. I need you. I love you. Is uh, my favorite. So I want to talk about you with a few things that I put in this poem, okay? Because yeah. I was really impressed by all these facts. I gotta say. Um, all right. So you've shared the stage with a lot of legends. You've recorded mm-hmm. over fifty songs as well, and you know the the list is endless. But so tell us about some of those legends. Who were they? I didn't, I didn't, yeah, what did you say, Jerry? You've shared the stage with a lot of legends. Tell us about right, some I of did, them. Yeah, yeah uh, Pookie Hudson of the Spaniels is one. Uh, Jimmy Beaumont is one. Uh, Rudy West of the Five Keys is another. Um, and countless others of, of that uh, caliber that I performed with wow. over the years. Wow. I sang in a group in Florida called the Five Boroughs, and... Uh, Frank Iovino created a concept called the Five Boroughs and Friends. And what this group did, they weren't, they were just a vocal group. They didn't have a, def- a definitive lead singer, but we'd back up lead singers from different vocal groups that would come to Florida and do rock and roll shows. And it was a great experience. I met a lot of great people doing that. And, uh, wow. That's so uh, cool. I, I rec- you know, I performed, I, uh, the list is endless. So, you wow. know. And, you know, Frankie was uh, one of my mentors, um, and he told me uh, this. He says, I know that this is like, uh, you're like a fan, and you're in the business. He says, treat these guys with respect. I said, they're just like you and I. He says, don't uh, fawn yourself all over them, you know, and uh, just uh, be yourself, and and you'll earn their respect. And, you know, I took his advice, and, you know, these people became my friends over the years. That's so beautiful. So, yeah. 1988, I want to talk about that. So, you were the youngest producer. Um, the youngest producer of doo-wop music in the United States. Tell us about that, man. That's incredible. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I was 20 years old. And I bought, I formed a record label called Crescent with uh, one of my cousins and another friend. I uh, acquired two acetate recordings from New Haven, Connecticut from a collector that were unreleased. 
and we put we put these two records out in 1988 and 89 and they did very well in the oldies record market and uh, that really is what started me off uh, in the record business as a producer um, at that point I hadn't really had any desire to sing in a group and I eventually after producing a handful of 45s I got the itch to do it and I you know especially some of the groups I was working with um, I you know I felt that I could sing better than them and I'm thinking to myself I gotta make some recordings so I started into that realm it took a while but I eventually uh, achieved the goal that I set out to do that's and it's, and it's a lot of fun too obviously but um, by the time I entered uh, college, in my last two years of college, I already did a dozen records. So I already had a, a strong uh, inclination of, of knowledge of going into school to get a degree in music business. Oh. So that, that, those experiences I had in the first three years of my career, that was really ethereal to me. And uh, I have no regrets. I really don't. It's, it's, been, it's been very fruitful. I've been very happy. That is you know, I started incredible. off as a record collector. I was a major record collector uh, before that. So I just morphed into putting out records from b being a record collector. So that that was interesting. And, you know, I unlocked a lot of doors along the way. I met a lot of people. And so the guys I dealt with selling records um, without, you know, before I started producing them, um, when that time happened, then it was easier for me to move records. Okay. I owe, uh, I owe a lot of gratitude to a lot of guys that helped me out along the way. I didn't do this alone. And even to this day, I don't do it alone. I have people in my network, I got partners in the label and so forth, and others along the way that have uh, offered their help and assistance throughout the course of my career. And I'm very grateful to all of them. I really am. Wow. So that's incredible because... You know, when, when I think back then, you know, and I mean, I was like, I think 27 when you were 20 and you were doing all that, you know, and I think back then to everything that went on in the music industry, I look at things differently today because, you know, I'm not putting any of the current music down or the artists, um, but the music will never be like that again. You know, to me, that was music. That was the most incredible music. Um, well, the cool thing about uh, vocal group harmony music in general is the lyrics are easy to understand. The lamets of uh, love annotations all over them, or they're of uh, or broken romances. I mean, they're very emotional songs. Right. And they're, they're timeless. Timeless. And it's a period of time. Even today, making uh, uh, doo-wop uh, records or CDs and singing groups I mean it shows the the innocence of these songs that are uh, you know perpetrated by the vocal groups that sing them and even you know the original records that came out I mean there's there is a strong innocence there because this music was created in the street by teenagers right. so it's amazing that teenagers that made this music and made some great hits and some classic records you know for over the last 60 plus years um, it, it's really uh solidified a, a place in rock and roll history which is really important that's why even the groups that are out there still today the veteran groups they may not sing as good as they used to in their youth but they still have that exuberance and they still have that excitement and they have their heart filled with what they do and that's really important and 
music is timeless. It's never going to go away. It's always going to be a, a foundation of rock and roll music. Um, you know, I want to I want to touch base on what you just said about you know most of these singers. I've interviewed so many of them. You know, Al Contrera from the Mystics, Hushabye. You know. Ken Brady from the casinos. I went to his 75th birthday party. He's a good friend of mine. And I did a show in town last July. Barb and Steve came and uh, all my radio show um, hosts came. And it was just a beautiful thing. But when Ken Brady got up there to sing, my uncle, who is in his late 70s, he's a vet. I thank him for his service. He was a Marine in his country, came from Italy. He said... Is he lip syncing? Well, I cracked up and I brought him over to Ken after Ken got off the stage and I said, my uncle just gave you an incredible compliment. He wanted to know, are you lip syncing? And we cracked up laughing. He hugged my uncle and that's how good Ken Brady's voice still sounds. Okay? 75 years old. Okay, beautiful. Incredible, right? And the Capris. No, that's really cool. Yeah. And, um, no, and the Capris Uh, were there, and the original Capri. I mean, think about it. He sounds incredible. I mean, you know, listen, you're right, some of them, but a lot of them still sound so incredible, and I just love it. I think it's just, you know, awesome. They have a devout love for what they do. Right. And, you know, it's it's not about them. We do this music for our fans. And we want to stay creative. And it's all about the fans. And without yeah. them, we're nothing. You know? <laughs> I laugh because I agree. in the business can agree with that. Without our fan base, we're nothing. You know? I have so to... I have to uh... When you go out on stage and perform, that you put on a show, and, you know, you these people get entranced and they get sucked in and they feel like they're back in time. Um, I like to be progressive with this music, too continue it in that way I'm not one of those guys that gets on a soapbox that says we're trying to keep this music alive we're just trying to keep it relative and progressive oh. so we'll continue you know for each generation to come in the future oh. and that's that's also important so I love the way you put that why a lot of these groups are still doing it you yeah. know I mean some of them uh, I'm sure are doing it because that's all they ever were put on this planet to do but I mean in general I mean we all do it for the fans you know, and the stories that you get out of it too, which is great. I've 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 seen this in action, and you know, the fans they'll tell you stories when they heard the this record for the first time, or or what it means to them, and that's really important too. So it, it's a it's a great fraternity to be in with the, these vocal group singers. It really is. We all we all know each other or know each other's reputations. So it's it's a it's a great fraternity, and I love every minute of being a part of it. Um, I love the way you put that. You know, um, wow, I really did. I gotta say, and you're right. Without our fan base, like even our, my listeners, and when you do your radio shows, I mean, if, I laugh because I say if we didn't have listeners, we'd be talking to ourselves. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. And you know, that's just as important too. That being a DJ playing uh, music on the radio. I mean, it's the same thing. You're creating a fan base, and without them, we don't have shows to well play. We don't have shows. (laughs) If if we don't have the fans, you know, we have to generate the interest, and you know, you have to love what you do, and it shows. And in the excitement, the exuberance shows through, and the audience can read that. They really can. And if 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 they hear or they see that you're having a good time. 
in front of them, then they're having a good time. Right. That's just the way it is. Right. That's so important. Really is. So, Stevie. I want to play one of your songs called Night Owl, and this is why. I owned, I'm a poker player, I'm a poker dealer, and I owned a business in Mercer County for about 10 years. Um, I gave it up two years ago, It's and it was called Ms. Night Owl Poker. So oh, when I cool. Yeah, so when I saw your song Night Owl, I was like, I have got to play this one. Um and when Steve was helping me get these songs in, it was funny. He was like, "Go!" He was not putting that one in, and I cracked up laughing. I'm like, "Steve, we need that one!" And I listened to it and loved it. So, tell us a little bit about Night Owl before I play it. All right, that song is uh, originally done by Tony Allen. He was uh, a singer in L.A. in the '50s. He had he was in several different groups, and he wrote that song. And uh, the version that I listened to to build this arrangement from was from a group out of San Antonio called Sequence. They did it in the uh, mid-60s. And I liked that arrangement. I liked the flow of the arrangement, the harmony structure and everything. So I took this song apart, which I do that with every song I record, take them apart, rebuild them, and then I don't try to copy them. I'm not one of those mimic singers like that. Because I could have just listened to it for face value and just did it off the cuff. I I spend a lot of time with each integral part of the song. Oh. And that's what I, you know, Night Owl is a great example of this because that's what I did with this one. And I sang all the vocal parts on it too. Um, just like the last two songs you played. Right. I did all the vocal parts. Oh, and wait, wait. Night Owl is one of my wait Stevie I gotta ask you something about that before I forget that's why I'm interrupting you and I'm sorry but I'll forget you when okay you did all the vocal points on it right yeah. so that means you did like each individual different things that we're hearing in the background the forefront all that it's all you yes that's yes, so cool um it's easier to go into the studio when your track is made you can lay down your lead track and then the harmony chords follow suit afterwards um because I, I arranged and recorded songs a cappella too, which is a little more difficult to do by yourself. But this was easier because I already had the chord right. patterns with the with the rhythm track behind me. So that, that made it a lot easier to do. Wow. And I prefer to do it that way anymore. Just just to uh, because I can stay in my I can stay on time, I can stay in, on track with everything. And the results that come out of it are really incredible. And so I'm impressed. Uh, my engineer was actually like this, Jerry. He, he says, I've never seen a guy come into a studio and lay down tracks like you did. Right. Listen, I, I think well, I agree. Well, I'm well rehearsed. I'll spend, I'll spend weeks on one song and get it tight, and I'll learn every part, and then I'll go in and knock it out. And wow. that's, that's what I did with Night Owl. That's what right. I did with the other two that we played, and I'm sure that there's some other ones that we're going to play here yep. in the show that I did that with, too. All right. So, uh, let's hear it, baby. Yeah, let's, let's spin it and see what people think. Let's spin it. I like that. We're going to spin it, guys. Night Owl by Stevie D. Well, here come the night owl Walking through Tell you, baby, I don't know 
Stevie D, let me tell you something. That song is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Wow. Um, I, uh, that's off my CD, uh, Stevie Dunn on Las Vegas Street Corner Harmony. Uh, when I released that uh, in 2018, I did songs on there that weren't typical. I did it on purpose. I wanted to show the industry that we work in in our genre of music that you know these groups can go out there and sing these songs you know be a little more creative so you don't have to sing this, the top 20 uh, group harmony right. tunes of all time which are great without any doubt but you know well you know stray off the uh, main path a little bit sometimes and go into some regional or some rare records and you know put those in your act those you know people want to hear that they really do so this really solid that cd solidifies the sound of our music rather than just putting out a CD with the top 20 greatest uh, doo-wop records of all time. Oh, you're right. And so I'm, I I changed it up. There's a couple of notables on the CD that I did. I did that on purpose too so people could see the song titles and buy it sight unheard but I put a lot of marketing behind it as I do with all the other products that we do and it, it sold very well. It's still selling well so I'm really happy for that and I appreciate all the people that have uh, been buying the CD because it really is good um, if I have to step out of myself and look back in through a window and listen to this CD I, I think I did a pretty decent job doing it okay I might have to get an autographed copy of that CD sure I'll send you one without, one, a, doubt. I, I, without a doubt listen I'll even pay for it Stevie I want that CD thank you, you. Got it. thank you so before I I want to play Zoom but before we even talk about Zoom I want to ask you a question Sure. Can you imitate me? Impersonate me? <laughs> oh boy, put me on the spot. Come on. I haven't heard you enough to do that. I mean, I don't know if I can do that real quick. All right, but right listen, do, well, you, you'll have to listen to me more and then come up with something for me. I will, I'll do that. All right. I like to uh, prank call people too. So. And you can do that for me too, you know what? Wait, you're just like... I, I call people oh. up and talk oh. in their voice. <laughs> So wait, I have to tell you something. I impressions, but I do, I do a good job. Oh my God. When people yeah. ask me for I my phone number, wait, when, pe- when people ask me for my phone number, I say I prefer heavy breathing. Okay? Listen, I'm a sarcastic idiot and, and I will die with my sarcasm because to me, if we can't make fun of ourselves and have fun in life and laugh, what's the point? Uh, that's true. And you have to. You have to be able to make fun of yourself. You know? Sure. And, you know, and my personality is, you know, I have a good time with everybody. I, yep. I don't, I, you know, I'm usually, uh, I, I'm pretty animated. I can be the life of the party if I want to be, or I can be reserved too. It just depends on the circumstance I'm in. Yes. But, you know, I don't try to call attention to myself, but, you know, I'll make some wise cracks <laughs> and, and break the ice a little bit, especially if I'm with a group of people that are stiff. It's like, you know, get over yourself. It's, uh. Let's have some fun. You know what I mean? We live only once. we got to have some fun in life. So... I do this uh, to a couple of close friends of mine, for sure. I like to break their chops, which is great. And uh, I think they're listening right now. I don't know. I, I talked to Frankie Pizzalo this morning. I said, you can tune in. And I don't know if he is or not, but if he is, thank you, brother, for uh, tuning in. So... To the show and several others that I reached out to. So uh, it's all good. Well, Steve is in the house. He said he's fine now, and they're getting ready to go home. I'm so happy, Steve. Oh, that's great. Yes, yes. awesome. 
Awesome. Yeah, I made some remarks to him yesterday to make him happy. <laughs> I just lied of his situation because I don't know if anybody knows, but Stevie had to go get a stent removed from his kidney uh, tube. And he had to go through the bladder and everything and, and do the only way to pull it out. And that wasn't going to be very fun for him. So he's going to be at home resting and uh, I, hope it, I hope he has a good recovery. I really do. He's a good guy. I love Steve and Barbara very much. And I thank them every day for having me on this uh, program and have him on the, you know, on the network and so forth. Aww. Great. He's saying something to you. He says, Stevie likes to break everyone's balls, even mine. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm, I'm known for that. I really am. That's great. That's one of my uh, personality traits. That's great. Um, it's just, you know, I try to keep it fresh and real all the time. You know what I mean? So do I. And some people don't know how to take that. It's like, why are you so abrupt? Who well, you know, cares? I that way. You know, I grew up doing that. You, you know? know what? What do you think about this political correct BS? I am so far from it. <laughs> oh, I don't, oh, I don't care for it at all. It's I like, hate you know, it. Get over yourself. Thank you. You know, we were growing up. That's right. Didn't have any political correctness. That's right. Especially, uh, you know, the type of family backgrounds we have. You know, uh, we got in trouble. We got smacked. That's right. Yes. Wooden spoon. That's right. (laughs) And you know, we turned out okay. We turned out great. these puffer children that are being sheltered by their parents, putting them in time out. Forget about it. I hate it. it. Really isn't. I could go on and on with that. No. All right. Let's talk about. Yeah, I I don't care for any of that political correctness. I'm not politically correct at all. I hate it when I have to be. I try not to be. But I want to. All right. So now let's talk about your song, Zoom. Because listen, uh, other than Elvis Presley, acapella is my favorite. Doo-wop, you know, I love it all. Acapella is my favorite. So let's talk about Zoom. Too. I have a very large collection of acapella records. And okay. I love that stuff. And uh, Zoom, I have the demo that I made. I bought a 16-track recorder years ago. And as I was experimenting with it, I started to mess around with overdubbing myself. And so I put that song together on that on that system. And I wanted to see, you know, I was testing it out to see, you know, learning the, the deck at the same time. And it turned out pretty good. I was pretty uh, happy with the result of that. Okay. And uh, that's one of my favorite songs to sing. I like to uh, to jam with uh, people doing that. Okay. And uh, so I figured I'd try it out and see how it how it was going to come out. And it came out pretty good. I was pretty happy with that. All right, baby. Let's do it. Let's All right. spin it. <laughs> As Stevie D would say, we're spinning it. The night we made 
Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. I love that song. I love the Cadillacs. Uh, that, um, that version, I uh, I like Vito and the Salutations version of the Zoom. They did it a cappella years ago, yes. around 1973. Yes. And I like the way they did it. And, you know, I tried to capulate that arrangement. And then I changed the ending up a little bit. I changed a few things up. Right. But it's really a cool, cool uh, arrangement of it. It's a real street corner sounding arrangement. Um, I would overdub stuff to do arrangements with my group, The Emerald Dreams, and um, these are songs that I would put together for the group to learn, so I didn't have to teach them all the parts at rehearsal, and which I did that too, it's, it's a little harder to do, and then uh, I just give them a, a recording, I say, take this home and learn your part, and then come back to rehearsal, and then we'll fish through it, you know, and I did that a lot with a lot of songs. I, I started experimenting with overdubbing with uh, a dual cassette cassette recorder. I ping-pong the tapes and overdub that way to make uh, quick overdub oh, wow. arrangements for my group before I bought a multi-track recorder. Oh, wow. I, which is, you know, it's, that's kind of unique to do. It doesn't sound all that great, but it, at least the, it gets the point across. And... And the, you know the group would take home the arrangements and learn them and come back and we'd rehearse them so that that was part of my madness my process of how I did things but mm-hmm. I, I like I love acapella I'm a big acapella collector um, there's nothing better than the pure sound of harmony without music right. accompaniment so, yeah it's really cool and I have a huge collection of acapella recordings going back into the, the acapella era of the 60s so it's uh, it's been really really cool to it's all I collect anymore. Oh, wow. I love it. Absolutely love it. So. Yeah, there's nothing better than acapella. Nothing, you know, it's just fun. So. It's fun to sing and it's fun to, uh, to buy the records and everything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cool with that. So, let me ask you a couple questions before we play another song. So, what was your, well, I'm sure you don't have a favorite, but what was one of your top favorite songs that you've recorded? One of my favorites? Yes. Um, a song called Angel From Up Above. I wrote that song when I was 15 years old. I was supposed to be studying in the library in high school and I was bored and this song just came to me and I wrote it down and then I kept it. I I didn't record it for almost, you know, 28 years later I recorded it with the group called The Royals. Uh, from San Diego, they were an acapella group. And so I had that song all that time 
and I made a demo of it, but I never recorded. I never oh. recorded it formally until we got together and, and did it. Okay. And it, it's a it's a really nice song. It's a really pretty uh, ballad. You never you didn't send me that one, but okay, but that that's for another time. Um, yeah. So now let me ask you this: not one of your songs. What was your favorite song growing up? There's a Moon Out Tonight by the Capris. That's my all-time favorite. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. So that is also I one of mine. I with Nick Santa Maria. Yes. In 2007 at the Cool Bobby B. Duop convention. Um, his group came up right after the Emerald Dreams did their uh, their performance. And uh, it, was, it was great to... Uh, I met Nick before in Vegas a few years prior to that when they came out and did a show. Okay. And he was a guy. Unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. Right. Very talented singer. And I just love the song. I love haunting ballads like that. And that's got a, it's got a, an eerie romantic overtone to it. And it, the attraction to me, I, I can listen to that song over and over again without getting tired of it ever. So if I was on a desert island, stranded, I would take that record with me and well, play that. Wait till they you hear know. that because I'm going to tell them that you know I'm, I'm friends with all of them and and I'm sure you've heard Michael Diamore, the new lead singer of the Capris. Have you heard him sing it? I know Mike, and uh, he's really great. Um, a great story about the Capris. When we were at the Duop convention in 2007, we were singing our song "Window of Time." Uh, Frankie Rain is standing off to the left of me on the steps to enter the stage. And I would glance over at him once in a while, and he looked like a kid that was just capulated in a candy store. He just had this glow on his face. And after we finished the song, I thought maybe we bombed on it because there was a delayed response. About two or three seconds go by, nobody clapped, <gasps> nobody uh, did anything, and they all stood up in unison like in church and gave us a standing ovation. Wow, they were in shock. Friend. And then as we took our bow and walked off stage, uh, Frankie grabs me and he says, Stevie, he says, I got to tell you something. He says, that was the greatest effing performance I ever saw in my life. <gasps> I said, I've been around. And, you know, to hear that from a group yes. that sings my favorite song from a guy that's in that, that made my night. That's better than any money, better than anything else in the world to hear that kind of compliment. I never forgot that for my life. Well, and then they came up and they they kicked ass. They uh, they did a great job. You know, I want to I want to um, say something to you about that. When when I first interviewed Michael Diamore live, then Frank called in before I got to meet him, and then when mm -hmm. I got to meet him finally, and he hugged me and he said thank you for interviewing. I said thank me. Are you kidding me? I said oh, forget about it. Frankie's a nice guy. He's the nicest um, guy. Nice yeah, they're all very nice. I love them all. You know? But he's unreal. Wow. I okay. haven't met anybody in this business that wasn't nice. You know, everybody's got their own idiosyncrasies, I'm sure, but everybody's respectful and they're you know, they're they're just good people, you know? Yes. Um, we we do this for the love of it too. Yes. Know? Wow, you know, I can't believe it. You know? I was so happy to hear you say that. I would <laughs> Yeah, that's, those are great uh, moments to remember always, you know. Oh. And, uh, I had a few. I, I so had a beautiful. Few so you know, beautiful. I was always the younger guy in this business, and all these guys are older than me, respectfully. You yes. Know? So, oh. I learned a lot 
from doing shows and talking to these guys. Not just about the music in particular, but you know, some of the antics that went on on stage, behind the scenes, on backstage, whatever. And even when I performed with someone on shows, you know, we'd, we'd all kid each other around. You know, it was, it was good. It was, it was all positive stuff, you know? Wow. Probably the greatest uh, form of male bonding you'll ever get, you know? Aww. I love it. I absolutely love hearing it, and I can't. And I love that that was your song. And you, oh, I love them. Okay, so now let me ask you, Gloria. Gloria. Uh, yeah. Talk I about recorded it. that four times. All versions were live. I mean, known in Las Vegas for singing Gloria, known as the Gloria singer. I've been singing this song for thirty-five years, and I'm like, um. I loved it. I, I did it from my aunt Gloria, actually. Oh, so, okay. And I was singing. I, I sang it uh, with the Emerald Dreams, the Goodfellas, um, and the Chaperones. And when I was singing with the Chaperones, because they're known for their song "Cruise to the Moon," which is a big hit record for them, one of the guys in the group heard me sing Gloria on YouTube, and he said, "We got to do this song." Well, I was already tired of it. You know, I wanted to put that song to bed. And they talked me into it. And I said this. I said, if I can come up with a creative arrangement that makes it a little bit more attractive, then I'll do it. Otherwise, I don't want to. And so one of the other guys, uh, Kenny Phillips and myself, we arranged a, a version of Gloria for the Chaperones that really... That really, that really kicked ass. It was, uh, I took two different Gloria songs and put them together. And we did it purposely for a live stage performance. And then I wrote a, a, a vamped ending for the, the song. Um, I, I don't know if this is the one you're going to play or not. I, I don't know what you have there, but. Okay. Um, it's acapella, I think. The chaperone's oh. live version of Gloria, which is really great. And, uh, Okay. I've seen it for so long, you can hear me go from, over the years I've sang this song, my key gets lower and lower. <laughs> okay. But this one, if this is the one I'm thinking of, this is uh, the Chaperone's uh, live version of Gloria here in Las Vegas. But wait, it says, it says acapella and then it says Emerald Dreams? Oh, okay, the Emerald Dreams, that's another, that was the first time we did that. That okay. was really good too. Okay. So... Um, yeah, why don't we play that? Let's do that, it. That's a really great version of Gloria. I did the arrangement on that. All right. Here we go, guys. Gloria.
some more questions what would you like to say to our listeners out there well, I'd like to thank them all for supporting our music because it's really important we do this for you uh, we make records for you CDs we sing for you um, we treasure every fan that's out there uh, you mean a lot to us and we're very uh, fortunate to uh, have you as our friends and some of us uh uh, you know, some fans are a little more intimate with everyone than, than some others are. We'd like to take you all home with us if we could, but we can't. But at least you can take us home with you and, and play our music. Uh, and that's, that's really important to us. Oh, that's You're, beautiful. The fans are so important. They are. I love the way you said that. That is so beautiful. Oh, okay. So, now... I'm probably re- recording this show. I'll probably forget about what I just said. Oh, don't worry, honey. <laughs> Um, no, I, no, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I really do. It's it's really important to let everybody know that you know we're just regular people. We're humble, and we have a craft, and we want to want to share it with all of you. That's that's what we do. Wow. So okay. So 
let me ask you something. So you're a record label owner, yeah. Um, a record collector. Um, yeah. So you're a record label owner. Tell me about that a little bit. Well, you know, I went to school for music business, and my dream was to work in a major record label when I was a kid. I always wanted to do that for my life, and. Um, I had the opportunity years ago. I went and interviewed for a record label, EMI in particular, in Manhattan. And I got the job and didn't pay very much and they start you in the mailroom. Now the person that I told I was doing contract labor for at an independent record label in New York. And, you know, my boss says, go, go for it. You know, tell me how it works out. I said, you're not going to get mad? He says, no, I'm not going to get mad. He says, you need to explore this. You know, I'm in my early 20s, so, okay. you know, I'm green still, uh, you know, I'm still a little naive to the business, and I, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I was happy as all hell to get the job. I wasn't too thrilled that I was going to be a mail clerk, but then I found out that what you do in those situations is you network with all the departments in a record company, and then you... You know, you'd make friends with certain people, and then you might move up into a department to, uh, that's, you know, other than the mailroom. You might be in the A&R department, for example, arts and repertoire. You might be, you know, might go into production work of some type. So there's a lot of different jobs in a record label. I didn't really care. I just wanted to be in this business. But it was a little deflating to know that. And it would take you a long time. It could take you years before you got a job that suited you in, in a record company. So I go back to Brooklyn and I uh, told I told my uh, my boss, he said, listen, he says, uh, I said, I got the job. He goes, yeah? He says, what do you think? I says, I don't think I'm going to take it. I mean, I had to do the math too, you know, and break it all down. Because, you know, I worked in a musician's union and I was making a nice piece of change. I was making more money singing oohs and ahs on recordings on assignments and I would have been working for this record label. So it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that I was going to stick in the indie market. And I decided at that point in my life that I was going to do that for the rest of my life. I was going to work in the indie record market and do special products. And that's what I've been doing ever since. I, I, I'm, you know, I don't, don't want to. I don't want to make this sound arrogant. I'm, you know, to be in control of my own situation or be in total control. But it's better to be a label owner, to have the decisions that you make, and everything's on you. Um, for when you sign groups, put out their records, and just about everything. You know, so I, I, I feel it, it's more uh, rewarding to be in the indie market than it is to work for a major label. You can get fired very easily at a major label for screwing up, and it has to do with money. It's all money motivated. Right. And you can't be as creative if you have your own label. It's independent, and you can do. You have a little more freelance to do whatever you want, which makes it a lot easier. You don't have to answer to anybody. So if you make a mistake, it's on you. But if it works out great, then it's very rewarding in, for you at the same time. So that's, yeah. you know, it's a double-edged sword, uh, Jerry, right. it really is. But, you know, you're not, that's not arrogance. That's being no, a great I, business I just, person. I just don't want to come off that way. No. Know. Listen, I've been... I'm very humble in this business, and, you know, but that's the reality of it, when you work for a, a record company of that magnitude. And, you know, that was still when they had offices in, in, 
you know, big buildings and whatnot. Now they're all more or less virtual. They downsized so much. Um, in, in some aspects, the record companies don't exist anymore. They've been swallowed up. The majors have been all swallowed up by right. the major conglomerates. Right. So the, the traditional record labels we grew up with are usually owned by one or two giants in the business anymore. Right. So it's, it's not the same as it once was no. as far as that goes. But no. the record business, some of the mantra that surrounds it, even in the indie market, it hasn't changed much. It's the same protocol the same uh, rules to follow and the exception on top of the exception of the rules also apply so those things haven't changed at all well so, uh, it's it's been pretty exciting it really has uh, you know and you know you, you stick with what you know best and that's what will, will achieve you better success well, it's not arrogance. It's being a smart businessman, and I absolutely, well, yeah, you, have to be you know, I love you can, what you're you know, doing. You, uh, being a record business is like working in the stock market. You can uh, lose just as easily as gain. So you have to pick and choose your projects carefully. So that's, wow, awesome. that's one thing that's very important. And, you know, in, in 2019, you know, this is the digital age, so now we have to go into that element of, of uh, programming and distribution, digital uh, resources, which uh, we started to do. And that's, you know, we just started doing that, so it's gonna take some time to see how that's gonna be be rewarding okay. financially. But it's a lot easier, and some people don't want to buy records or CDs, they just wanna download it, and You're right. you know, we offer that through our website. Right. So uh, we're I'm gonna still... do that through a couple of other uh, sites too here. I'm old fashioned. I'd rather have it in hand. <laughs> so, like that too. I like to have the physical know? product in hand. Oh. And it's to me that's special. You know, to have right. a, a record or a CD in your hand. You can look at it, hold it, uh, read the liner notes in it. You know, and you know, downloads are nice, but they're impersonal. You know. You're getting the song, but you're not getting the you're history right. and the background behind it. You're right. So what we're going to do is we're going to probably play two more songs, talk a little bit more. Um, I'm going to end, of course, with Diane. But what song would you like me to play now? I'm going to give you. I'll give you a list of a few, and you tell me which one. Okay. All right. That sounds good. I have "Baby," "Let's Not Break Up," "Too Young," "Lonely Way," "No More," "Window of Time." Sad Girl and Eternity. Oh, okay. Um, let's do uh, Along My Lonely Way. Let's, let's do that. Okay, so tell everyone about that, including me. I'd like to hear about this song. Uh, that's off my CD uh, that I recorded. Um, it was originally done by a group called the Utopians. And um, the group... The original group, when they recorded Along My Lonely Way, was basically a uh, an attempt to follow up the Skyliners' Lonely Way when it was when the Utopians did it. Yes. And it's not the same song, but they tried to capulate that. They, you know, so um, it's one of my favorites. I always love this record, and um, it's a it's a haunting ballad. And I, you know, as I said earlier, I like haunting. Okay. Ballads. Yeah. And it really has that overtone to it. And I went to the studio and I cut I cut all the parts and it came out fantastic. I was just really surprised. It's one of my favorite sites on my C D. Really? So I'd like to share it with all of you right now. 
Let's spin it. I'm getting hooked on that, you know. Let's spin it. <laughs> you said that you found someone new to do. Stevie, that was incredible. You know, um, wow. We still have a few Funny minutes. Thing about song, I, the original record, you can't hear the bass vocalist very well, so I had to make up some of it just to carry it through. Wow. Well, that in itself is cool. <laughs> yeah, I did that on a few songs because, you know, they, some of these records weren't recorded. with the Well, back in the day, they didn't have the technology as we have today. So um, you would, in the 50s and early 60s, um, these studios would put a group around one mic and the lead around another so you could hear you know you hear highlights of the harmony in the in the bass vocalist in the uh, recording but you wouldn't hear it you couldn't hear it all clear like you can today wow. so that was a challenge uh, uh, to do that that's why you have to break these songs apart and rebuild them because you're trying to uh figure out the chord structure and the moves the movements of, of the background vocals that's what you know that's that's the important thing about vocal group records is the is the harmony chords that are sang behind the lead so you want to make sure that they carry through accordingly wow. you know i didn't uh i didn't do this note for note i mean i put my own spin on it but i cap you know i captured it enough that it sounds a lot like the original it's beautiful. And that, that was, you know, that was the goal I was trying to reach. You it's know, beautiful. not everybody can sing just like the record. It's, it's impossible. Can't it's, do it. You're right. Um, people try, but it's, 
it's impossible to do. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, well, it's cool. I was really happy with that. So, Stevie, we're, we're coming to the close of the show. We have a few more minutes. Um, before I, I end it with your song, um, I want you to tell everyone how they can get in touch with you or hear your shows or get your music. Tell everybody. Um, you can go to our website. It's www.streetcornerentertainment.com. It's an interactive website. We have photos up there, um, the, an artist page. You can look at the artists that are on the label. Um, you can hear song samples. There's downloads to purchase. There's records and CDs to purchase. Um, it's informative. So it's, uh, um, uh, it's not a site you're going to spend two minutes on. You'll, you'll be there a while. You'll, you'll look at all the stuff and read. And so we made that very interactive for our, our fans. It's, uh, it's great. I mean, it's very simple. I mean, it's in your face, and you can go there, and you can manipulate it very easily. Wow. I, I did that purposely for everybody. And uh, <laughs> you get to see some of the other acts on the label. Uh, Frankie Bizarro is on our label. Ramon Altamirano, uh, J.T. Morgan, uh, The Exquisites, Joel Katz, and countless others that are on the label. So it's going to be it's a really good site for anybody to check out. It's uh, streetcornerentertainment.com. And you're right. I'm an idiot with tech, and guess what? It was easy for me. So that's why well, I was I mean, laughing when you said that. Everybody, so uh, <laughs> yes. that's what I wanted, you know. And Stevie helped me uh, build this site. So it was, I said, I want it simple, and <laughs> people can just click on buttons and go to the, each page with no problem. Stevie's amazing. Well, Stevie, yeah. I want to thank you for being my guest. Um, this isn't over. I'm going to be interviewing you many more times, I have a feeling. And I think you're absolutely incredible. When Stephen Barb Angel told me that I had to interview you, and they told me how incredible you are with everything that you do, I was yeah, so yeah, impressed. Unfortunately, we only had a, a, a small window of time to do this. I mean, I could do this for a few hours. <laughs> yes. Anybody, you know, just give them a little taste and come back yes. the next time. You know, that's, that's right. All. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Jerry. I really appreciate it, and uh, I thank everybody that's listening. And uh, there's a few of our friends that are out there listening. I got some messages. And yes. I'm really happy that they tuned in, and uh, I hope that. Uh, you know, we just keep this stuff going and be successful with it and uh, and just keep moving on. That's all. Well, I want to just tell everybody out there a couple things before I close with his song. Um, oh, and then I'll have you... Alright, just hear me out first and then we're going to have you tell about that song before I close with it. So I just want to tell everybody out there that... Um, I have another show right after this, so I'm not sure if I'm going to get to download this right away. I'm going to give, I'm going to attempt to, but if it doesn't get downloaded right away, tonight it will be, and then it will be out there. Um, I want to thank all my listeners. I want to thank Steve and Angel, and I'm so happy Steve is home safe now. And I just love my listeners as well, and what an incredible show. I want to ask a favor of everyone out there. On December 3rd, it's probably going to be between 9 and 9.30. I'll get you guys the exact time. Um, I'll get you all the info. I will be inducted into the 2019 Internet International Hall of Fame. And it will be online. It's going to be, I think, out of Sweden. Um, and you guys can call in 
and check it out and say hello uh, and listen to that happen. My daughter will be giving me my enshrinement and she's going to be making the speech, which is going to be incredibly overwhelming and beautiful for me. So I'll get everybody that information if they want to hear that happen. Um, Super proud. So again, I want to thank everybody out there. Stevie, before we close with your song, um, why don't you tell everyone about that song, Diane? Okay. Um, That song was originally done by the Corvells on ABC Paramount. It's the flip side of Take My Love, um, which is a collector's record. It's fairly rare. Um, And I love the song. One night, I'm in the car with her, with my wife, uh, Diane, and she said, why don't you sing my name instead of Daisy? Who who writes a song about Daisy? I said, I don't know. It's got a great melody to it. It's got a great flow. I said, okay, let me try it out. So I I sang along with it with, uh, with her name instead, and immediately my mind is like spinning. It's like, you know, the dynamics here with her name, and it sounded a lot better. And, you know, she was breaking my balls. Anyway, you never write a song about me. I made, you know, I've made several attempts, but I I came up empty-handed. So I thought, well, you know, I'll just change the title of this song and just, you know, change the the name, and you know, and I'll record it that way. And it came out, it came out fantastic. It came out better than I thought it was going to come out. And uh, it's uh, really, it's it's a really soulful uh, group harmony uh, arrangement. It really is, and. I really like it, and I think everybody else will, too. Beautiful. So, everybody, again, I want to thank my guest, Stevie D, and we're going to close with this incredible song, Diane. Need you so 
there is 